There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Someone once said that people will remember you more for who you are than for what you did. Authentic Christianity transforms us into people of influence. Jesus said this about us, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. In declaring us to be salt and light, Jesus was saying that there are two aspects to the potential influence of every Christian. We are both a restraining influence and a constraining influence. First, the church is a restraining influence against the force of evil. Just as salt applied to meat preserves it from putrefaction, so the church is like an antiseptic in a sphere of decay. Not necessarily by doing, but just by being. The church is the balance of power on planet Earth a buffer against the onslaught of degeneracy. We know that when the church is taken from the earth, there will be no further restraint to wickedness. The world will be characterized by total lawlessness. But also, just like the light, the church is a constraining influence. As light compels people to be drawn to it, so Christians compel people to come to Christ. So we are both salt and light. Don't let your salt lose its flavor and do let your light shine. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And thanks for joining us. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week on the subject of becoming people of influence. And Ken, you used some powerful analogies just there that that Jesus used, that we are to be salt and light. Quite powerful. Yeah, let's take that salt analogy first. Uh, Phil, I remember when I was in Egypt once and uh, uh, there was a butchers that we were driving past Mm -hmm. and a whole side of an animal was hung up with a butcher's hook uh, in full view of the sun. It was about, you know, almost 40 degrees. And I'm thinking, my goodness me, that thing's going to go off in no time. But then the butcher came out and he had a bucket of salt and he put his hand in, he just picked up a whole handful of salt and just threw it on this meat. Now, in a similar way, in calling us salt, Jesus was in fact implying that the world is basically corrupted and its decay must be arrested by the disinfecting properties possessed by the church. As I said earlier, this counterbalance, if you like, on planet Earth takes place not necessarily by doing anything, but just by being who we are, just by being here, if you like, Phil. It's a natural outcome. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, the, the church provides a buffer against this onslaught of degeneracy and Im- immorality that we have on the Earth today. If you like, it de- delays the decay and therefore puts off the judgment. You remember when God said to Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom, and then mm-hmm. Abraham started interceding for that city yes. because, of course, his, his nephew was there. And he said, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? You remember that? Yes. What if, you know, what if there were 50 righteous there? Would you destroy a whole city uh, if there were 50 righteous there? God said, no. You know? And then he started sort of bargaining. What about 45? What about 40? <laughs> he went right the way down to 10. Now, God didn't actually say, now, that's enough. Actually, he didn't, he didn't stop. Abraham just left off of that. So in other words, God undertook that even if there were 10 righteous people in that city, 
then God would not destroy it. So ten righteous people would have preserved the city. As long as the church is here, God cannot deal in judgment with this world. God will only deal in mercy because of the the church. He will not judge the righteous with the wicked. Now, of course, when the church is taken out of the world, then he will judge the wicked. Mm, Really interesting. It says a lot about the church's role here and now on earth, doesn't it? What we should be doing. Yeah, also about our responsibility because Jesus went on to say that if the salt loses its savour, how shall it be seasoned? Now, of course, salt is essentially different from the medium into which it is placed. And, of course, that's where its power and influence lies. Um, In the days that Jesus was living, you know, most of the salt in Israel was actually obtained from the marshes along the seashore or from the beds of the salt lakes where they dried up in the summer, you know. Um, Salt loses its flavour when it comes into contact with the ground or is exposed to the wrong condition. Now, when this happens, it turns from being useful to being useless and and even harmful. Um, If it's thrown into the soil, it will actually destroy the fertility Mm, in the ground. And so when salt loses its flavour, it's not only good for nothing, it's it's, it's worse than nothing, you know, It's, uh, it's harmful. Um, I remember reading a book. I've got this very old book, uh, Phil. It's it's at least a hundred years old. It's by a man called Doctor Thompson, and it's called The Land and the Book. And he was mentioning because he lived there. He spent a lot of times living there, and and so he learned a lot of the customs, and he he understood a lot of the things that were being used in terms of illustrations and so on. And he was talking about a merchant of Sidon who actually imported a great quantity of salt from the marshes of Cyprus. And he stored these in 65 earthen floor houses in the mountains, and and he was trying to avoid paying taxes. Mm -hmm. So he got it all stashed away up there. But the floors, as I say, they were were not stone floors. They were dirt floors, yeah. Yeah. So in a few years, you you can guess what happened. The salt next to the ground was entirely spoiled. All the goodness had seeped out of it, you know. And so the author of this book, Dr. Thompson, he, he... explains what he saw. This this guy actually got rid of all this salt. He poured it all out onto the streets and people were treading it underfoot. And that's what Jesus was saying is that salt that loses its savour is good for nothing. It's spoiled and it's trodden underfoot. Now, the salt, of course, the analogy of salt, if I can come back to a point that I mentioned earlier, Phil, it's not what we do that makes us the salt of the earth. It's being who we are. We are different mm. to the world. You know, we, we stand out. We are this buffer against the onslaught of evil just by being who we are. Our salt is not in things like protesting against things and placarding outside places that are corrupt, but it's just being who we are. But when we're the same as the world, when we're so saturated into this world system that we become like the world, then the salt loses its flavour. Mm, really interesting. Some might say that Jesus went on to say that you are the light of the world after he talked about the salt. You know, let your light shine so that they might see your good works and glorify in heaven. What's How do you balance those two? When Jesus said you're the light of the world, this is the positive side of the influence. Mm-hmm. We're not now talking about restraint, that's the salt, but constraint, compelling people to come to Christ. You know, light compels people to be drawn to it, draws people in. You know, Jesus said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light shines wherever you are in a dark place. You're drawn mm. to the light of that city. What a lamp is to a dark house, the church is to the world. 
people think they never read the Bible, but actually they read it every time they encounter a Christian. Mm-hmm. At least they should, you know. Yeah. And when Jesus was on earth, he said, I am the light of the world. But when he left the earth, he said, you're it now. You are the light of the world. He said, let your light shine so that men may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that's the question you're asking, Phil, is, you know, what are these deeds? Mm-hmm. What are these deeds? And I think we've made the mistake of thinking if we're, if we go around doing good deeds, then people will say, well, look at them. I want to become a Christian because I see their good deeds. But I don't think this is referring to deeds of charity because when you think about it, the world does these deeds as well. In fact, often yep. they do these things better than we do. Yep. They're more able to do it bigger and better than we are. So what because, is it referring to? Okay, so I believe if you look at it in the context, okay, now Jesus has just started speaking on what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And leading up to this passage where he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, he gave that teaching of what we call the Beatitudes. So it's to do with character. Now, when you look at this character, you know, he says things like, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. We often kind of make the mistake of saying, yes, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to be a meek person. I'm really going to be pure from now on. I'm going to be a peacemaker and so on. But we can't. We can't do that. It's not. We can't produce that kind of life. They're all attributes and qualities of his life. That's right. That's right. So when we're born again, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us to bring the very life of Christ. So the fruit of the Spirit is meekness, for example. The fruit of the Spirit is being merciful and so on. And so it's a reproducing of his life. Now, the world cannot manifest his life. They can do works of charity and so on. But when Jesus said, let your light shine and, you know, don't let your salt lose its savour, he was saying, hey, let my life come forth through you. Leave our discussion there today and pick it up tomorrow on the subject of becoming a person of influence. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.